The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, may your word only be spoken. And may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Today, today is an unusual day in the life of the church. It only happens once every three years. Today, we have a passage from the book of Esther. It is the only reading from Esther in the Revised Common Lectionary. Only those who put together the lectionary know for sure why this is so. Elves is what one blogger calls the people who put together the lectionary. The lectionary elves. You recall that the Sunday lectionary is the schedule that gives us the majority of the most important stories in the Bible over three years worth of Sundays and Holy Days. And Esther appears as the Hebrew Bible reading one Sunday out of a possible 163 Sundays and Holy Days in our calendar. You may not know the story of Esther. She comes after Nehemiah and before Job, if that helps you any. It is a spicy story of intrigue and murder and sexuality and dramatic reversals and conspiracies and power and revenge and justice. 
Not unlike many of the stories in our Bible, especially of the Hebrew Bible. But Esther is one of the two books in the Bible which encompasses, depending on which version you're looking at, around 70 books of the Bible. It's one of only two books in the Bible that does not mention in unambiguous, clear terms the name of God. And because of this characteristic, as the writings which became the Bible came together, there was great controversy both among Christians and Jews as the canon was being shaped about whether or not it should be included at all. Eventually, of course, it was by the year 300 or so, 400 or so. Yet 1,100 years later, Martin Luther would say he himself felt so hostile to the book of Esther that he wished it didn't exist at all. Not unusual for Luther to say such a thing about a book in the Bible. He said it about the book of James also, which we heard from this morning as well. Most scholars agree that the story is fictional, though the details which are reflected in this story uh, show accurate knowledge of the historical setting, which is the community of Jewish exiles living in Persia in the 5th century before Christ. And the greatly simplified backstory to the passage we hear this morning is this. The king who is mentioned is actually King Xerxes. Those of you who know your Herodotus know that this is the same Xerxes who beat the Spartans at Thermopylae, but then was thrashed by the Greek navy at Salamis and retreated back to Persia uh, not to threaten the Greeks again. And the setting is the royal palace in Susa in what is now southeastern Iraq. Xerxes is holding a contest to replace his disobedient queen, Vashti, who was uh, sent away because she refused to dance naked in front of a party that Xerxes was holding for the palace. She refused to embarrass herself, uh, even at the behest of the king. So women throughout the kingdom are invited to audition to be the queen's replacement. Mordecai is a Jew who was a laborer in the king's service. And he convinces his orphaned niece, Esther, who he has raised from a child, to try out to be the new queen. And she succeeds in becoming Xerxes' queen and favorite consort. Meanwhile, Mordecai has earned the ire of Haman, who we heard about this morning, who was Xerxes' prime minister, if you will, and Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman, to pay him homage. And so, out of revenge, Mordecai smooth-talks Xerxes into writing a death sentence, not only for Mordecai, but for all the Jewish people who live in the Persian Empire. Mordecai gets word of this dangerous event and communicates secretly with his niece, who is now the queen, and tells her, you've got to do something to stop this slaughter. And out of courage and desperation, Esther risks death 
by breaking an important form of the royal protocol. No one, even the queen, was permitted to approach the king. One had to be summoned by the king. She approached the king. And fortunately for her, he accepted her presence and extended the scepter, which was the way that she knew it was safe to come forward. In her audience with the king, she invites him to a series of dinners, two, in which the king and Haman will be present and which she will lay out her plan for saving her people. And that's where we pick up the story this morning. Esther finally reveals herself as a Jew. The king had not known that his queen was Jewish until this point. And she begs him to spare not only her life, but the life of all her people, which he does. And then she puts the finger on Haman as the force behind the wicked plot. And Xerxes, in an amazing reversal of fortune, sentences Haman to hang on the gallows that Haman had intended for Mordecai. And the text goes on to say that the Jews were to mark this miraculous reversal every year, yearly, with feasting and celebration and almsgiving to the poor. Well, that's all very nice. I'm still left wondering a little bit, why is this book in the Bible? And why should we spend one of our 163 Sundays and holidays speaking about it? Well, first of all, this story is the basis for the Jewish holiday of Purim. Some of you may know the holiday of Purim. It takes place in late February, early March, according to the Jewish calendar. And it is a time of merriment and of crazy costumes and of zany fun because it tells the story of this great bravery that ends in a stark reversal of fortune. It's a powerful narrative of the deliverance of the Jewish people, a people who have been greatly assimilated into a culture, yet who remain painfully, painfully vulnerable. This, of course, as we know, has been the story of the Jewish people for centuries. Assimilated, yet also painfully vulnerable. One could add that this has been the story of women throughout history, or of sexual minorities. Assimilated, yet also painfully vulnerable. And many such people can use stories like this for hope and for courage. In addition, for many of us, stories that loudly and clearly proclaim that God has been responsible for this or for that may not accurately match our own sense of awareness or certainty of God's activity in our lives. Many, many stories in the Bible are very clear about how God has acted and where. But recall that nowhere in this book is God's name or power mentioned. Now, it's not that we don't believe that God 
doesn't act in our lives or in history. Far, far from it. We do believe that God acts in our lives and in history. But it may not always be so clear to us exactly how or where that action has taken place. Now, by giving Esther a place in the scripture, the communities of faith that shaped our Bible allow us to assume God's activity in the story. If it's not in the Bible, we can probably, if it is in the Bible, I should say, if it's in the Bible, we can safely assume that somewhere God is at work in that story. Yet readers and listeners to this story are also allowed the freedom, the freedom to follow the Holy Spirit where she might be guiding us in those places in the story where we might find God at work for ourselves. We're not told where they are. We're free to find and seek. Seek and find for ourselves. Furthermore, as we all know, human life is a rather untidy affair. I would say that the human relationship with God is also an untidy affair. So why wouldn't the Bible, which I would say is the record of our relationship with God, why wouldn't the Bible include a book that might seem a little bit oddball or a little bit out there to some of us? Why wouldn't the Bible include such a book? Of course there should be room for such a book. We know that Jesus himself had the habit of gathering together oddballs and misfits all around him, as well as giving his blessing to those who might not have fit in where people thought they might fit in. This morning, Jesus tells one of his disciples to just lay off a bit when he was upset that someone who wasn't known to them was healing and teaching in Jesus' name. Jesus says to him, whoever is not against us is for us. And he goes on, Jesus does, he goes on to use stunning, stunning, vivid language to goad his disciples into living a life of commitment against the culture, at odds with the culture around them. Not just to be special and unique and to draw attention to themselves, but rather to be lifeboats for a culture drowning in misguided priorities and values. Likewise, Esther and Mordecai risk their lives for people at sea in a culture that does not value them. Jesus and his disciples, and by extension, each and every one of us, are asked, called, invited to take risks that may put us at odds with those closest to us and at odds with those in the wider culture. So, I think we can thank God this morning for the Holy Spirit who blows where she will in our scriptures, putting them together, giving them meaning for us. For the Holy Spirit who gave life to the human communities who shaped the Bible that we have today, including the book of Esther. And we also give thanks for the lectionary elves who give us a small sampling of Esther once 
every three years. Amen.